good morning. <laughs> it is lovely to be with you today and continuing our sermon series in the book of Luke. We've got a big chunk of scripture to get through today, so let's get straight to it. We're reading today from Luke chapter 6, verses 27 to 42. And I'm reading from the NIV. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinner, sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. He also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Pretty self-explanatory, right? Why don't you stand and I'll pray for us? <laughs> I'll nick that one from Jesse last week. <laughs> well, if we must look deeper into this, let's remind ourselves where we are and who is speaking. Earlier in this chapter, Jesus has spent time in prayer and subsequently appointing his inner circle of 12 apostles and has now gathered them together with a wider number of disciples and is teaching them what it's going to look like living life as his apprentices. Even in the short time that Jesus has been in public ministry, he has started to ruffle feathers in the established religious community. He has been hanging out with 
undesirables. Being healing people and doing other unlawful things on the Sabbath. And even <gasps> intake of breath. Forgiving sins which he demonstrated by the healing of the paralyzed man that was lowered through the roof. Jesus has started to demonstrate what the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom that he is proclaiming has come near. And as he has gathered disciples and people who are attracted by these demonstrations... So here he begins to teach what exactly these demonstrations and his actions mean. It's a pattern that you will often see in Jesus' ministry. Demonstration and teaching. Teaching and demonstration. What Jesus has already demonstrated is that his kingdom turns upside down the expectations and preconceived ideas of the current religious leaders. Jesse spoke last week about the first part of Jesus' teaching, messing up the perspective of who might be seen generally as blessed or, in contrast, who might be considered unfortunate. And Jesse did an incredible job last week in helping us to interpret those verses, looking at the meaning of the words used to increase our understanding. I think our passage today will need a different approach. There are a number of words that I would like to find a different interpretation for, but to no avail. The uncomfortable translation must remain. I did joke earlier that this passage is self-explanatory, and that is largely true. This is what Jesus said and what he meant. So today, I think we need to look mainly at application, as tricky as that might be. As part of the preaching team, I was a vocal advocate of us spending quality time with Jesus in a sermon series. And I'm currently questioning my life choices. <laughs> Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Really? If someone nicks your possession, let them take it. Lend without expecting anything back, far less expecting any interest on your loan. Aye, right. <laughs> I think this is one of the best-known passages in the Bible. Even if some people who know the quotes wouldn't even know where it is, or even sometimes if it's from the Bible at all. Aren't these the words that we as Christians most get cast up to us? Call yourself a Christian? Aren't you meant to turn the other cheek? Thought you were meant to love your enemies. And the most well-known phrase of all, the golden rule, do to others as you would have them do to you. The thing is, these quips hurt so much because we know it's true. As Jesus goes on to say, if you love those who love you back, well, good for you. Everyone can do that. What makes you any different? This 
This is the mark of Jesus' way. Verse 35. But love your enemies. Do good to them. And lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High. Because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. I've had a pig of a week. A couple of weeks, actually. I have been very angry at the way I've been treated at work. And I've heard these words ringing in my ears so often. So often, in fact, that I wondered if I could even stand up here this morning and teach on them today. And if ever there's an illustration for you that that we don't stand up here speaking to you with everything in our lives sorted. This, this is it. Loving your enemies, excuse my language, is bloody hard. <laughs> and in case we could start making excuses for ourselves, the next thing Jesus asks of us is harder still. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. In my situation, I am judging, condemning, and definitely not forgiving. My point is, none of this is easy, and I'm not going to stand here and tell you it is. But... And thankfully, there is a but. My heart is grieved that I feel this way. And Jesus knows my heart. And here's the next point. It's about the heart. The world, which I just use as a shortcut to mean people who aren't Christians, think that Christianity is just a set of rules which kind of added to or maybe replaced an old set of rules and following the rules is what makes you a Christian. But Jesus demonstrates, his demonstrations of the kingdom were about messing with the rules. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Is it okay to eat with the unclean? The thing is that Sabbath is a good thing. Having a rhythm of rest is good for you. And back in the day, some of the hygiene rules about clean and unclean would have helped prevent disease. So, rules are good. What Jesus' issue was that the rules had been twisted to a set of do's and don'ts to determine whether you were in or out and to be a measure of holiness. Jesus is telling us that holiness is a matter of the heart. His rules are a matter of the heart. Okay, Mo. That gets you neatly off the hook, doesn't it? It's it's my heart. My heart's okay. No, not really. What Jesus most wants from his followers is a change of heart. A change of heart that moves you from condemning and judging to loving and forgiving. 
what I would love to bring out from this passage is the motivation to make that change. And this is the only bit of interpretation of the passage beyond just reading what is written that I'll give you today. Although in studying it, I believe it's not a big stretch to see it once it's pointed out. Just as a Sabbath rest is good for you, loving your enemies, not judging others, and forgiving people is good for you. What Jesus is describing is the best way to be a human, and he should know. He designed us. We've got so far from our original design, a result of the first time we disobeyed a rule that was for our benefit, also known as the fall. I think we've got so far from that original design that we generally, genuinely don't know what's good for us. Psychology is catching up a bit, and I think we probably do know that living with anger and unforgiveness is not good for us. It robs us of peace and often robs us of living out our full potential. I think that this meaning in the passage is brought out well in the message version of verses 35 and 36. I tell you, love your enemies. Help and give without expecting a return. You'll never, I promise, regret it. Live out this God-created identity the way our Father lives towards us generously and graciously, even when we're at our worst. Our Father is kind, you be kind. We are made in the image of God. We have a God-created identity to be like him. We can be generous, gracious, and kind. It feels like Jesus is proposing a factory reset. The reset will be complete when he makes all things new, when his kingdom comes in its fullness. Like the kingdom, although not fully here, but breaks through at times, we can also have many resets in the meantime with the help of the Holy Spirit. And thankfully, as the message says, our Father lives towards us generously and graciously, even when we're at our worst. I'm not sure if I was at my worst this week, but I definitely wasn't at my best. And I trust that with the help of the Holy Spirit, I can be better next week. I think I might get some prayer later. I'm ready for a mini reset. Our passage goes on to give us two of Jesus' most vivid word sketches, one of which, again, is oft quoted, the blind leading the blind. The connotation when this proverb is quoted is the one giving advice or training or teaching is just as stupid as the one being advised, trained, or taught. It is most often spoken from the point of view of an outsider looking in on a situation. 
But I think Jesus is using this picture of two people stumbling about and getting themselves in danger as a warning to both leaders and followers. The blind leader is not just a danger to themselves, but to anyone and everyone who follows them. And as is warned in other places in the Bible, those who lead carry a great responsibility, which is only possible with God's help and should only be tackled with God's help. However, it is incumbent on us not to be blind followers. We do end up being like our teachers. So where we get our teaching values and beliefs is important. Jesus is inviting the large group of disciples he's addressing to follow him into something different and life-giving. He invites us to do the same. I'd also add that this is a warning to make sure whoever we're following and wherever we're getting taught, that what we're learning lines up with what Jesus taught, with scripture. Because if it's not, you might want to get another teacher. As it says, everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. And I do want to be more and more like Jesus. So I think it's best any teacher I'm listening to points to him. In preparing for today, I've been especially conscious of the next picture, the plank and the speck. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Some commentators believe that this is a further dig on the teaching of the religious leaders such as the Pharisees who pick people up on their failures to adhere to the minutiae of the law as they've interpreted it, whilst they themselves miss the heart of true obedience to God. But Jesus is directly addressing his followers. So I think this is a warning to make pretty sure you're getting things right before you presume to criticize others. A brilliant picture to illustrate not condemning or judging unless you're very much prepared to have the same happen to you. This week, I've been acutely aware of the plank in my eye and did not want to be the hypocrite that stands here and points out the specks in other people's eyes. But if you will excuse the slight twist in the metaphor, maybe I can be the warning to those of you who are conscious of a bit of an irritation or a speck in your eye that you might want to deal with it before it becomes a plank. This is, in the true sense of the word, an incredible passage of scripture. It's been a bigger chunk than some of the passages that, we've come that have come before or will come after it. But the preaching team debated this quite a bit and felt that this whole passage should be dealt with in a wonder. Taken as a whole, we can clearly see the contrast 
of what had become to be expected under the Pharisees' interpretation of the law and the radically different perspective Jesus brings. As it states in other places in Scripture, Jesus is not about replacing the law, but fulfilling it, bringing out its true purpose, which is to lead people to a life as it should be lived, the most fulfilling way of life for a human being created in the image of God. This passage has been one of the easiest to understand passages I've ever had to preach on and the hardest talk I've ever had to prepare. I wasn't really sure how to sum up or finish, but what I'd like to do is read you the whole passage from uh, Eugene Peterson's paraphrase message. So let's do that. To you who are ready for the truth, I say this. Love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the supple moves of prayer for that person. If someone slaps you in the face, stand there and take it. If someone grabs your shirt, gift wrap your best coat and make a present of it. If someone takes unfair advantage of you, use the occasion to practice the servant life. No more payback. Live generously. Here is a simple rule of thumb for behavior. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you. Then grab the initiative and do it for them. If you only love the lovable, do you expect a pat on the back? Run-of-mill sinners do that. If you only those help those who help you, do you expect a medal? Garden variety sinners do that. If you only give for, for what you hope to get out of it, do you think that's charity? The stingiest of prom brokers do that. I tell you, love your enemies. Help and give without expecting a return. You'll never, I promise, regret it. Live out this God-created identity the way our Father lives towards us, generously and graciously, even when we're at our worst. Our Father is kind. You be kind. Don't pick on people, jump on their failures, criticize their faults, unless, of course, you want the same treatment. Don't condemn those who are down. That hardness can boomerang. Be easy on people. You'll find life a lot easier. Give away your life. You'll find it given back. But not merely given back. Given back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity begets generosity. He quoted a proverb. Can a blind man guide a blind man? Wouldn't they both end up in the ditch? An apprentice doesn't lecture the master. The point is to be careful who you follow as your teacher. 
It's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. Do you have the nerve to say, let me wash that face for you? When your own face is distorted by contempt. It's this I know better than you mentality again, playing a holier than thou part instead of just living your own part. Wipe that ugly smear off your own face and you might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. Live out this God-created identity. Following this teaching of Jesus, bloody heart. Following Jesus, worth it, every minute of every day. He is the only teacher I found that teaches from the original manual on how to be a human. It's also an open book exam with Holy Spirit help. In John's Gospel, after some particularly hard to swallow teaching, Jesus asks his disciples if they would like to leave, to give up following him. And Peter answers, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. After reading and rereading the passage, finding myself wanting, crying to Jesus, and just crying, I asked myself the question, why keep trying? Do you want to give up? And my answer is the same as Peter. Where else would I go? Jesus alone has the words that make sense of it all. If you'd like to, why don't we stand together and we'll just place ourselves in Jesus' hands. Um, just to say a couple of things that I don't think I'm alone in finding this stuff hard so if that's you uh, please come forward for prayer um, we'll stand with each other and do that um, I would say especially if the, the forgiveness it's a tough one it's a really tough one and I think you should just take all the prayer you can get for that one. So if, again, if that's you, please do uh, come forward for prayer. So come, Holy Spirit. Yeah. We know that living the best way as Jesus describes is hard. We need your help, Holy Spirit. Come and meet us, we pray. Amen.